to Philippians chapter 2. Before we get there, just a reminder as uh, you saw a number of things in your bulletin. In fact, I, we almost need an usher to help you carry it to your seat. There are so many things, and there are other things as well. Uh, and I know that um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I, let me say this. I know that sometimes you don't always read your bulletin. You know, Like, for example, a couple weeks ago, the first five people that came and talked to me got 50 bucks. I, nobody got, and I'm joking. They didn't. But it could happen. Uh, but I really want to encourage you to check out, especially uh, the end of the year offering, that special offering. I know it's a couple pages, so to speak, back in front there, but just to kind of explain what's going on, something different that we haven't done here before. And then the invitations. There are extra ones. you got one in there, but there's some extra ones sitting out there. We'll make more as well if you want to use them just to hand out. Uh, in fact, how many of you know somebody who uh, does not go to church anywhere? You know, and I'm not even saying do they believe or not believe, but just don't go anywhere. And so an opportunity to invite somebody to come. In fact, next Sunday, uh, many of you know that uh, during Christmas and Easter, I've done a, a first person sermon, kind of a, a monologue of somebody who was there that first Christmas. That's taking place next Sunday. So here's the opportunity to invite somebody to come and hear something a little different at Christmas time. Sometimes you come and they, you, you, you come on Christmas and Easter and you usually hear the same thing that you always heard. And okay, I did that. Uh, next week is an opportunity to hear the Christmas story in a different way. So I really would encourage you not only to come, but to invite some people, invite friends, relatives, people from work. Uh, people you meet on the street, whoever it might be, just invite them to come and be a part of that. You can use that uh, that card as well. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2 here and beginning with verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have. We've come to you in worship, and now we come to your word. I ask that you would speak. Help me to speak your words, but Lord, I know that what you want to say to each heart here is beyond anything I could ever say, especially the amount of people that are here. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, break through? Not only for ourselves, but for others that... Our lives will intersect with this Christmas season. For those around us who, what we have seen, for so very many is a time of more openness to talk about you, about spiritual things than any other time of year. Lord, help us see you and allow you to be seen. Move in us now. In your name we pray. 
Amen. You've probably heard of Where's Waldo, but what we're going to do is a Where's the Manger. And uh, what I want to do is show you a video here. All right, if you didn't see it, here is it, just a still picture of it. And if you thought you saw it, is it where you thought you saw it? All right, he's still having trouble. Let's do it during the daylight here. All right, now can you see where the manger is? How many can see it? Okay, everybody can see it now. Now that we got some light, you can kind of see where that is. You know what? This is kind of like what takes place every Christmas. And I don't mean at this house. I mean with us. All the decorations, all the celebrations... It just becomes too easy for the true story to become overshadowed, outshined, for the manger to be lost on an, at the very least, an equal level with all the other holiday traditions. You can't even see it. You can't even know it's there. I mean, it kind of is, but it's not. This morning, I'm specifically talking about the manger, though. It's because I'm sure that I could put it out here, and there's a number of people who say, yes, Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason. Well, okay, we get that. But then when you start talking with church people, sometimes when it comes to talking about the manger, it's like, well, it's not that I don't believe the manger. Yes, that's just one of the facts. Uh, one of the, the things about the story. But there's more to that manger. And we don't always see that. I would submit to you today, not only is there more to the manger than we realize, but that the manger has a meaning that is deeper than just a simple feeding trough for animals. Because that's usually the way church people just think about it. It's just a simple, it's, it's a thing, it took place, it's unfortunate, it shouldn't have happened, but you know, it did. But it's something much more than that. In fact, the manger that we have right here this feeding trough, you think about it, you put hay in here and the cattle coming up and some of you can't see it quite from all the way over there, but uh, it's, this is actually nicer, more cradle-like than the original manger, which was probably dirtier, rougher, and quite possibly even made out of stone with the middle hewn out. There was nothing special about the manger that Jesus was laid in. And that fact that it was just ordinary is exactly the point God was trying to make. To us today, this Christmas, may we find a deeper meaning to the manger than we have in the past. Not only in this Sunday, but in the Sundays to come as we explore what that manger really means. A deeper message. A message that an ordinary manger can impact our life today and forever. Here's a couple ways this morning. First of all, recognizing this Christmas, may we realize that God comes through ordinary ways. God comes through in ordinary ways. Most of us would agree that the manger is a a truth surrounding Jesus' birth. An ordinary, unimportant detail 
In fact, the only reason sometimes we even pay attention to the manger is because that's something we feel like should never have happened. Uh, Look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, the story of that first Christmas. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, and he belonged to the house of David in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, Place him in the manger because there was no room for them in the end. You see, the manger is seen as just some unfortunate circumstances. Because there was no room in the inn, they had to go to the, the whole stable. And because there was no place in the stable, they had to put it in the manger. What happened to Mary and Joseph that night was just a necessary evil, at most an unwelcome surprise. I mean, where else was she going to put the baby in that animal shoulder. It just wasn't right. They were totally unprepared. At least what we think. And unfortunately, we tend to treat the manger as just a bad break where things went from bad to worse that night for Mary and Joseph, all because Joseph did not call ahead for reservations. He didn't let family know he was visiting. Uh, no, we would say... It happened probably because, not probably because, we would say it happened because Caesar decided to do a census. He wanted to make sure he could get more money and taxes from everybody. So Caesar makes them take this mandatory, unexpected trip because of the census How many of us have ever had an unwelcome surprise come in our life? Things that didn't go through or things that we have to deal with that we feel like should never have happened. It should never have been in this situation. Even when you're trying to do the right thing, it just seems to go the wrong way. That's often how we think of Mary and Joseph and that night and what went everything that went that way. But let's just hold on to that thought for a moment. Let's take the idea that this ordinary manger being some unfortunate, unplanned, unwanted, tough break, having to lay a new baby, your first baby, in this feeding trough. Maybe there was something more. In fact, let's look at another Unlikely Christmas verse, but it is a Christmas verse. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Jesus came, in some versions it says, in the fullness of time, 
in the fullness of time, meaning the perfect time, that perfect time because God had arranged it all from, from centuries before God had pulled everything together and arranged it. And there was a sense that when Jesus was born, all the ducks were in a row. Always ready for the Savior to come and the good news to spread throughout all the world. So what is true about what took place that night in the stable? Is that God was not surprised. God was certainly not somehow unprepared for the Son of God to be born that night. There was no last-minute scrambling, no accidents, no settling for less than the best when it comes to God. Then and now. After God did all that planning, the God who has perfect timing, do we really think that somehow this lesser-known Caesar of Luke chapter 2, by decreeing this census, threw a monkey wrench into the perfect plan that God had all laid out. He threw a monkey wrench, making Mary and Joseph have to travel to Bethlehem at the end of her pregnancy, and they got stuck in a stable. No, they didn't get stuck. And no ruler has the power over the king of kings and lord of lords. We read in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. God is able to make things go the way that he, who is sovereign over all the earth, which means he's sovereign over your situation. Whatever it is you're facing, that didn't take him by surprise. He's not surprised. It's like the manger scene. It was no accident. It was no afterthought. It was always God's ordinary plan. There was a point to everything in the plan of God that he had been preparing for since the creation of the world so that he could send his son to be the savior of the world. Which means there's more to the manger than meets the eye. And maybe, maybe, there's more to your situation than meets the eye. Of course, if we were there, we would say, I, I just don't get this. I don't understand. Why is this happening? I mean, don't, don't we say that today? Uh, we, I don't even see how God is in it. Where is God in all of this? That night, that time as they come looking into Bethlehem. But all we have to do is to look at God's word to know that the trip to Bethlehem was not some sudden surprise that threw God off. Instead, that trip to Bethlehem was a part of the plan 700 years earlier. He said that was what was going to happen. 700 years earlier in the prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one, come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Here was this Jesus, born in plain old ordinary Bethlehem. That was the plan. Born in a plain, old, ordinary manger. That was the plan. 
You know, we often talk about how God works in mysterious ways. But we forget that sometimes God comes through in ordinary ways. I, I want Make sure you catch what I'm saying here. It might not even seem like God is there. In fact, if it had been us, there's no way that we would ever have even thought that the manger was a part of the main plan. We don't look for God in the ordinary around us, and we especially don't look for God in the ordinary things happening around us that we wish wouldn't have happened. We don't look at that way. Instead, we're looking for God to do something miraculous, extraordinary. And so we miss God's plan in the ordinary mangers of our life. How many of us, if we were in Mary or Joseph's situation, looking for just some place to rest, some place to lay down, let alone to have the baby, how many of us would have been thinking in the back of our heads as we're going through Bethlehem, would have think, you know what, God's going to come through. I just know God's going to come through. We're going to get a place. We're going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to, things are going to work out. Everything's going to work out because, not just because he's God, not just because he's for us, but we're talking about the son of God being born here. I mean, surely God's going to take care of this. How many of us would have been expecting to, to walk up to an inn, and, so to speak, and, and we know what's going to happen. You knock on the door, so to speak. You open the door and they say, I'm sorry. We have no regular rooms available. We are full up. But the presidential suite is available. And because we have no other rooms and because it's late, I'll tell you what, you can have the presidential suite for the same price as the regular room. Now, that's how we expect God to work. In fact, if they said at that moment, not only that, because we didn't have a regular room, we're just going to give you the presidential suite for free. Ah, Christmas miracle. Right? I mean, that is, it's a Christmas miracle. But we don't see the manger as a Christmas miracle. But that was his plan. They're an ordinary. I know some would say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not looking for an amazing, spectacular, miraculous thing. In fact, it, not only today, but if I was back then, you know, I would say, I, would say I, I just want a normal room with a normal bed and a normal crib. Doesn't have to be anything special, although it would be, it'd be good if it could be nice, somewhat nice. I mean, just not dirty and, you know, and just nice. We want God to intervene in our moment of crisis and make things normal. Even this year. Perhaps there are some who are saying, you know what? I just want a normal Christmas. But there is nothing normal about the Christmas story. There's nothing normal that takes place in all of this. And yet, it is one of the most wonderful, amazing, powerful, true stories of the love of God come down to earth. The God who comes through in ordinary 
ways. When God says that my ways are higher than yours in Isaiah 55, it doesn't always mean God's ways are greater than what we can think. It doesn't always mean that God's going to do something greater beyond what we can imagine. I mean, He does that, and He can. But when He says, my ways are, are higher than yours, sometimes He's just saying, my ways are beyond what you can figure out in your own little mind. Could it be whatever situation you find yourself in, God has been working all along in the ordinary things, but you just haven't seen it. Or perhaps you didn't want to see it. But there's a bigger plan at work, a greater plan that sometimes works out in very ordinary ways like a manger, a feeding trough as a cradle for the Son of God. Can you identify in your own life? I mean, just listen to what God says through His angels in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, someone might say, well, the angels were just saying to the shepherds, here's how you're going to know because this baby's going to be lying in a manger. The angels were only just reporting the facts, just the facts, Jack, just letting you know. But the reality is they were doing such so much more than just conveying a fact so they could find Jesus. In verse 12, it says, the angel says, and this will be a sign to you. A sign from God, a baby in a manger, not just a baby, but a baby in the manger. This ordinary manger was an important part of the sign. This is a sign that would stand out because there would be no other baby, not only in Bethlehem, but based on their customs of that time, no other baby in all of Israel would have been found in a feeding trough. And while it was a totally ordinary place, it was also a totally obvious place. You can't mistake, this is the one. The Savior of the ordinary. This Christmas, may we realize that God comes through ordinary ways. But even more than that, God comes to ordinary people. There's more to the manger, a deeper meaning. Because God who created the ends of the universe out of nothing could have done this night completely different. God could have made Jesus and where he's born stand out so everybody would know, but he could have made it happen in a way that was so much less ordinary. In fact, considering this is about the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he, it would have made more sense if the circumstances surrounding his birth would have been an extraordinary pomp and circumstance with a countrywide celebration about the birth of the king with fireworks and music and, and crowds of people like no one had ever seen before in history. And when they laid the Son of God down to sleep in the palace... It could have been laid down, he could have been laid down in some never seen before, rare, elaborate crystal crib. That when the candles were around it, the light just shone heavenly. Instead of this. In fact, 
God could have arranged that special parents of this baby who were caring for him rightfully belonged in that palace. After all, God was able to have Moses in many ways. Think about Moses. Miraculously was a part of Pharaoh, a part of the palace. He, God got him in there. He could have gotten the parents of Jesus in there. But he didn't do it that way because that's not what he was trying to do. That's not the point that God was trying to make. That's why we say there's more to the manger. There's more to this ordinary sign that goes contrary to the way we think. You see, this baby in the ordinary manger puts the focus on Jesus who took the form of an ordinary man. Philippians chapter 2, where we started at the very beginning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Speaking of Jesus. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's an unlikely Christmas passage in many ways. It is really all about just that. With a focus on the ordinary, the humanity of Jesus. In fact, Jesus became more than just an ordinary man. He took the form, it says here in verse 7, taking the very form, taking the very nature of a servant. Another word for that is slave. Not just ordinary, but he took the nature, he took the form of a, a slave. Not so that he could become like man or, or partially man. Rather, Jesus became fully and actually an ordinary human while still being fully God. Except one thing. Jesus was fully human except in one way. He did not have a sinful nature, that uncontrollable habit to sin. In fact, he was more like Adam's humanity before the fall. Perfect. No sin. With the same ability to choose as the first Adam did. Except this time Jesus, who is called the second Adam in the word of God. Jesus, who is that second Adam on the cross, could undo the curse of the first Adam and rescue us. Romans 5, verses 12 to 21 talk about that. He was born for us so that he might die for us. And he was born as us. Refer to the manger. Showing that he came in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He came just an ordinary man. Ordinary manger points to Jesus being with us. That God is not beyond us or out of reach. In fact, he reached down to us. Not just came close to us, but he became one of us. The manger means that God is not high up in heaven ignoring what's going on down below. He is not some God that is sitting up there just sitting back saying, you got yourselves into this mess. Now you're on your own. No, he's a God who came low, came down low, lowered himself to our level, even into our own mess. Not just to show us the way, but to be the way for us. Not just Emmanuel, God with us, but God for us. 
The manger means more as it shows that God came in an ordinary way for ordinary people. Philippians 2, back where we were at, verse 7 says, He emptied himself, he humbled himself. This extraordinary God became an ordinary man, not merely a man, but he identified with us so much so that he became a dependent baby. One that is fragile, that experiences hunger and suffering and pain. And not just physically, but emotionally, even relationally as people rejected him and left him. He experienced difficulty and he experienced death itself. He experienced everything it means to be an ordinary human in a way that is beyond what even most of us here have humanly experienced. The manger shows us that God comes to ordinary people. I know we hear that and there are some who say, well, I, I get it, that God is love and he's done great things, but not for me. I'm nothing special that God would even bother with. In fact, considering the things that I've done and said in my life, I'm not good enough to deserve God's help. I'm weak and I'm worthless. And that's the way some people feel who may be you today. And yet we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and yet did not sin. You see, whatever our ordinary life brings our way, Jesus understands. He gets it. He's been there, done that, except for the sin part. Whatever our problems, whatever our pain, the manger shows us that he joined us in all of that, including being tested, tempted, and tried. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What's more to this manger is that this ordinary manger is for ordinary people here on earth. Just look at those who were the first to get the word to meet Jesus. It wasn't the religious leaders. It wasn't the rich, royal, upper class. It was the lowly, poor, outcast shepherds, the smelly, common man Uh, of whom were probably not seen as worthy and many probably were not even allowed to go in the temple to worship God. And yet here they were getting not only a visit from the angel, but here they were being able to be in the very presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. When we look at Jesus' family even, his parents are just ordinary people. I mean, that was, he was just a regular Joe, right? Hardworking carpenter. Jesus came for the four by becoming poor. And not just physically. Poor in every sense of the word. Jesus has always been for us, the ordinary. In Matthew 11, Jesus called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Because he hung around with, he cared about ordinary, even less than ordinary people. That was his beginning at the manger. He was and is God and has been there for us. Ordinary people with problems and even people that are problems. Ordinary sinners. Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, he answered as they were talking, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Do we realize today that the core of Christianity is not for good people? What Christianity is about is not For good people. In fact, do we realize at our very core, 
We are not good people. Jesus did not come to make a new religion that would somehow make bad people good. Now, I know there's a lot of that out there. And we get confused sometimes, and sometimes we get tired of that, and so we just stop being a part of that. Maybe you were when you were young, and, 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 and maybe you're back. But Jesus didn't come to make a new religion that would make bad people good. Jesus came to make a new relationship that would make dead people alive in Him. Truly alive. Alive now and alive forever with Him. The Word of God tells us that because all of us have sinned, all of us are walking under a death penalty, but Jesus changed that. As He came to earth, ordinary Man, as part of that man, he was able, that perfect man, to take our place on the cross, which is what communion is about here. So we celebrate this. The bread that represents his body that was broken for us, the cup that represents his blood that was shed for our sins. He took our place, he took our punishment so that we could have a place with him forever. God came in an ordinary way as an ordinary man to help ordinary people, which shows there is no limit, no limit to the love that this God has for you. What is to think about this manger? What child really is that in the manger? It's Jesus, Savior, the one who's come. For each and every one of us. This was the place. Where Jesus. Not had to be laid. Wanted to be. In just an ordinary. Feeding trough. An ordinary manger. Jesus wants to take residence. Wants to be placed. So to speak. In this manger right here. Ordinary manger. I ask the worship team to come. As well, the communion stewards. Let's pray together. And as we work through the, the elements this day and the song that we'll be singing here about making room in our hearts, our hearts, in a sense, the manger for this Jesus who came for each and every one of us and wants to work out in our life in ways that we may not even realize. Father, we thank you right now that you so loved us that you sent your one and only Son. That you, Jesus, came. You humbled yourself you became not just a man, but humbled yourself as a baby, helpless. You experience everything. You've been there. And because of that, you were able to be there on the cross for us. We ask your blessing upon the bread. And we recognize what you did for us. You became 
While you were yet God, you became this ordinary man who didn't deserve this, but took it in love for us. But I pray that you'd help us, even this moment, to recognize the new relationship that you want with each and every one of us and that we would reach out, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Take over, take control. Save. Savior, be mine. We thank you, Jesus.